God is very gracious to give us jobs to do and the strength to do it. And I praise him for every day that uh, I have to do that and that I have a great job. I'm more grateful to come on Sunday mornings and see all of your smiling faces and hear all of your voices as you sing. Praise unto Jesus. So would you stand with me as we begin our service and we'll start with prayer and then with some songs. So let's pray together. Father, we recognize every breath we have comes from you. Every heartbeat is because you make it so. You give us our life, and you've given us new life. Every one of us, after we've accepted Jesus, becomes a new creation in you. You've taken the old man and created a new being within us, your spirit living in us, to help us do the things you ask us to do. You give us the power and gifts to accomplish everything you want us to do, whether it's a, a job working for Tampa Electric or for anybody out there. Everything we do, we do unto you. And everything we have, everything we are, we recognize comes from you. And we give you praise and honor for that. Pray for this morning as we sing songs, as we hear your word that you would use this morning to encourage us. You would use our time that we get together, whether right now in fellowship or afterwards when we get to spend a little bit of time together, that you would help us realize what we have as a body of Jesus Christ, how much we need each other, how much we should appreciate each other and desire to spend time and desire to be a family and a body. So use this morning for all the things we do in that and to make us more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. So we're going to start with um, a great hymn. We've done this one a couple of weeks ago, I think, maybe less than a month or so. But it's a great hymn recognizing that we are God's and our great desire as Christians should be that every day God should make us more like him and draw us closer to him. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, and be closer drawn to Thee. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to Thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in Thine. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour 
that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Talked about fellowship and the importance of we as Christians spending time together and encouraging each other in Christ. We find in the book of Acts, the scripture song we're going to do, uh, they were meeting continually every day. The Christians, that they were being persecuted to the point of death, and they needed that fellowship and that relationship so much that they were at their houses together with one another all the time. We may not be able to do that, but we can certainly pray for each other and spend as much time as we can together to gain that that kind of purpose, that kind of strength. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to
breaking of bread and to scripture song and one that's another command to us as Christians. Uh, The world out there hates you. Satan hates you. This is the group that loves you. (laughs) So we ought to love each other and spread that love and, and feel that love together because we need it. We need to have somebody we know that loves us, somebody that desires to to fellowship with us and be a part of our lives. A new commandment give I unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another as I disciples 
Jesus said he would give us life more abundantly. And as Christians, we have to recognize that the only way we're really going to enjoy that life and really have it the abundant way we want is if we are living with him, living for him. And the the key to that is in this hymn right here, Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord, we're walking, trusting and obeying.
beautiful song called The Power of Your Love, and it talks about coming to God and asking Him to change us from the inside out, to change our heart, our attitudes, our minds, and that the power that He gives us, the power of the love that He has for us, and the power of a love for God that He gives us is what we live with the power of his love. Lord, I come to you let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I've found in you. Lord, I've come to know weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love surround me. to your side and as I wait I'll rise up like the eagle and I will soar with you your spirit leads me on in the power of your love Lord unveil the knowledge of your love as you live in me. Lord, renew my mind as your will unfold in my life, living every day. Let your love surround me and bring me near. Draw me to your side. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the 
go and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love surround me. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the eagle, and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love, and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. Good morning. Today's reading is in the first letter of Peter, in the first chapter, and beginning with the third verse. Feel free to follow along in a Bible in the pews, or one you brought yourself, or be blessed by listening. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Father God, I I am so thankful that by your mercy we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've given, us, you've given us life eternal. You've given us a living hope. And Lord, you've given us an inheritance that is far beyond any value of any worldly thing and will not decrease in value. It is not subject to the, uh, to the whims of this world and is sitting up in heaven for those who love you and Lord, who, uh, who, who will rejoice at your appearing. 
And like those first century believers, let us rejoice in the hope, even though this country and this world is going crazy and we have many trials both outside of our lives and inside of our lives. Lord, that, uh, that those who love, that I pray that those who love you will hold fast and, and Lord, will um, we'll look to the hope of your return. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music and in the reading and preaching of your word. Thank you for Pastor Steve, who loves us, he loves you, and he loves your word. Put in his heart and mind what you would have him teach us and help us to have ears to hear and to take to heart this message. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. I was intrigued that we sang that song, Acts 2.42-47. And, you know, it's really close to 2,000 years since the church started. Well, that'll be interesting. We get about seven or eight years from now and 2,000 years. But I was thinking how throughout the centuries they've been doing what we sang about. And we are doing the same thing today. We're having teaching and breaking of bread and prayer and fellowship, all four of those things. So it's encouraging we continue on and to live for the Lord. And in some ways, I think of the church as being as a, as a race. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. And this is our time. This is our lapse to run, so to speak. And uh, we got the baton, and we're in these end times. So it's encouraging to be together with you all today for this Lord's Day. How can you live for God? How can you please him? How does uh, God tells you how? He tells you who you're to be and what you're to do and how you're to work for him. And, and that is what a godly life should look like. We're taking a number of weeks here, uh, four weeks here at Hope Bible Church, talking about 12 marks of maturity. This is our third set we're looking at. And very important, again, help us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Today we're going to be talking about three important ones, uh, loving others and serving others and, and fulfilling our purpose. First, let's talk about loving others. This is, of course, a very big subject in this world. You all know this. People talk about it, though, more on a physical basis, relational, emotional, but not so much on a, a spiritual basis. And, of course, we would understand that God's Word focuses on it from a spiritual basis, what we often call agape love, a godly love. And this love is essential. It is foundational for our lives, for our relationships, and for the work then that we are to do for the Lord. I want you to turn, and we're going to read a number of verses, but this is, is you know, a lot of good sections on love in the Bible. This is one of the best, maybe my favorite. First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. I just want to read a lot of verses not going to go over them all, but to just get our minds in place here as we talk about loving others. First John 4, 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. The one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Good, good thoughts. Just a couple things here from these verses, and um, many more things could be said. I'm just going to just summarize by a few things. We learn that agape love comes from God and through Jesus Christ. And only those people who are saved, who are born again, then can love. That's very clear. That's what it says. God wants his love to abide in us. This word abide is probably better translated, at least for us, as remain. His love is to remain in us. That is not be there for an hour, then gone for an hour, not be there for one day and not the next day. His love needs to abide in us and remain in us, and then we can truly love God and truly love others the way that God wants us to love him. And so again, it's only by knowing God's love that we can love others. That is it. There's so much talk in this world about love. This is bottom line. Only true Christians can really love in the way that God wants us to love. John 15, 12, 17, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. God commands us to love others because that really is what they need more than anything else. That's what people need. And the thing you have to understand, we talk about all these subjects today, these three different subjects, is you really can have an impact on people's lives. So when you love people the way we're talking about it here and the way we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, you will affect people. You'll have a powerful impact on people as you truly love them the way that God wants you to love them. So always remember that. You know, this is hard to love people. Well, it is sometimes. By the grace of God, you can do it. You can do it. And then realize you have an impact. And, and people just don't forget that. They don't forget the love that you show them. And so God commands us to love others. And God's love then is to flow from God to us and then to others. That's what we understand from these verses. And the main way, the main way that, that people know that we're Christians is by the love we have for them, this godly love. It says that, you know, people can't see God. Nobody can see God. We can't see God at any time. But they can see us. And as we have godly love living in and through us, then people are then seeing God. And so God then commands us to have love for people, to have a heart for them, to be committed to them, to see that people are ones who are made by God. And all people, all people, saved and lost, are ones who are loved by God. We need to see that. 
And now loving one another is a general command. We have all these different verses. I could give you so many different references to God says love one another. Love, love, love. It's all over. But 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how we can specifically love one another. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to go through this. I was thinking, how do I share in this portion of love, loving others? And I thought, well, there's many passages. 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the better ones. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So we see there about this love. This love is more important than anything else. Anything else. And we give some examples here about, you know, you can have a spiritual gift, or you can, you know, have all this faith so as to move mountains. Any number of abilities, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And oftentimes as people, we can think that. Well, look at me. Look at I can do this. No, you've got to have love. Love is foundational. The last verse of this chapter, you know it. It says, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Very, very important, this love that we're talking about today. I'm just going to go through these verses very briefly. I mean, very, very briefly uh, here in 1 Corinthians 13. But you get the idea. Love is patient. And literally, it's from a word that means long-suffering. You're suffering long with somebody. You're patient with people. As you well know, people aren't perfect. They sin. They hurt you. They take advantage of you. God says you to be patient. You're put to put up with them. Not get mad. Not retaliate. Love is kind. This means being gracious and friendly and giving to others. You're to give of them your time and your money and your possessions. And it's for both saved and lost, believers and unbelievers. We read in Romans 12, it says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome or come evil with good. We know that. It says in Matthew, Jesus said, love your enemies. That's really a mark. I mean, loving people that you don't like to be with or people that hurt you, that is one of the toughest things in the world. It takes the grace of God, and God can do it through you. That's what he wants to do. Love is not jealous. This means you don't want what someone else has, whether it's their money, whether it's their possessions, whether it's their success. You don't want it. You don't want people to fail so you can look good. Sometimes we can have that thought, and it's a wrong thought, evil thought. Rather, we should be glad when, when people succeed when they're doing well. Love does not brag. You don't try to make yourself look good before others. You're not trying to be a show-off, wanting others to know what you have or what you can do. Love is not arrogant or proud. You don't take credit for what you have or what you can do. You give credit to God, knowing that he is the one that's giving you all that is good anyway. He should get all the credit. Love does not act unbecomingly. You don't act rudely. You don't have poor manners. You're considerate of others. You're, poor, you're kind. You're nice to other people. I remember back in high school a long time ago, you saw this all the time. Kids act unbecomingly during high school and grade school. They just don't act well. You all remember kids like that, right? You see all this all the time. But it happens throughout life. God wants us to be kind and polite and becoming in, in all, all kinds of ways. It says in Ephesians 5, this is about speech. 
There must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting. None of that. That's the kind of stuff you hear in high school, you know, grade school. But throughout life you hear it. You hear it on TV. You hear it from people. God doesn't want that. Next, God does, love does not seek its own. This just means you're not selfish. You're not just thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of others. You consider others as more important than yourself. This is, again, these, these are tar- hard ones. I mean, you're all with people at times, whether you live with people or work with people or whatever it is, or people here in the church, and God says, don't be selfish. Think about them. Think about what they need. This is, this is, this is love. This is what it is every day. I mean, even with Marcia, I can be selfish at times, okay? It, it, you, you get challenged. And God says, don't be selfish. Love is not provoked. You don't get angered or, or upset or irritated irritated by others. And this is similar to being patient, which means you, you, you're not impatient. You, don't, you, you put up with people when they try to hurt you or they don't do things that you want them to do. Next, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. This just means you're forgiving, not holding something against someone because of what they've said or what they've done to you or how they've sinned or whatever it might be. This is huge. Forgiveness is essential for unity for good relationships, for growth in the church. Essential. A lot of times relationships, and of course the classic is with marriages. One of the main reasons marriages break up is because there's not forgiveness. Somebody does something wrong, the other one doesn't forgive them. This is, this is huge in relationships. You have to forgive. None of us are perfect. In that verse, I love this verse, it's in Matthew um, 18, 33. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? It's the best parable there is about being forgiving. I'm not going to go through it, but it's great. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? If God, if Christ forgave us, shouldn't you forgive others? Yes, you should. That's the example. And God saved us. God forgave us a ton of things. And here somebody does one thing against you, you get all mad and upset. One thing. One little thing sometimes. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? just as I had on you. Love does not rejoice in, in unrighteousness. You don't rejoice when there's evil. You don't do that. You hate evil. You hate sin. And you yourself then are righteous and holy. And you want righteousness to triumph. You want the good guys to win, okay? You want that. I want you to turn to Psalm 102. I wasn't thinking of reading this, but this, is, this shows David's... This, this shows... David's heart. Probably better than another psalm. Psalm 102. Psalm 101. 101. I'll sing of loving kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a hearty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who ministered to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. Pretty, pretty clear. 
Pretty strong, isn't it? But it's, it's right. It's what God wants us to know. Next, love rejoices with the truth. You don't love lies or errors. You love the truth. You love what is true and right. You love God's word. Um, and, and, and again, you're glad when, when, when truth triumphs. You glad when, you're glad when you see and hear truth in other people. You love the truth. And I tell you, you look in the world today, whether you watch some news on TV or whether you hear what's going on in the life of another person, somebody lies out there. And it, it, it grates on our souls, and rightly so. And God's got to give us grace to just rejoice in the truth, trust him, know that he will take care of the evildoers. Psalm 37 is my go-to psalm for that. I'm wondering what's going on in the world and evil. God will take care of them. Love bears all things. This means you protect others. You cover their sin. You, you don't expose it. You don't gossip about it. This is so common in the world today. Somebody does something wrong and is being talked about, whether it's at a workplace or some other relationship, you know, or whether it's in the news or the gossip pages. It's always talked about. The wrongs of it, you, you cover. You don't expose it. You don't do that. also means you protect others, and particularly those who are younger from harm or from bad people. So there's a, a component here where you protect everybody, but younger people are more susceptible or more vulnerable. So if you have children or, or grandchildren, you want to protect them. You want to do what you can to protect them. You don't want to expose them to bad stuff. You want to protect them. You want to shield them. You want to make sure that bad stuff stays away from them. Love believes all things. This is important. You believe the best you trust others and their motivations. How many times you see somebody, they do something, ah, they, they got a bad heart. And, and right away we can, we can judge. You've got to be very, very careful. You believe the best. You're not believing or expecting the worst, and you're not a negative person. That is, you're not thinking about the bad qualities of another person. You're thinking about their good qualities. You're positive. Again, you're believing the best. This is what God wants for you. Someone is accused of doing something wrong, you consider them innocent unless they're shown to be wrong. Okay? That's what the Lord wants. Love hopes all things. This relates to people who've sinned, who failed, who aren't doing very good, and God wants you to be one then. You're expecting the best. You're believing that God's going to come through for this person. And this happens all the time, too. You all know people that aren't doing so good, that are hurting, that got problems, but you're, you're one who's hoping the best, believing the best, expecting God to come through, expecting God to bless them, expecting God then to bring that person success. So, so it's just, and these are challenging to me, but this is what God wants for a loving person. Finally, the last one, love endures all things. This is similar to hoping all things, but it relates to more extreme situations. People who are really hurting, really suffering hardship, really going through difficult things, and, and it, it's for long term. It's a long thing. So you endure. You keep going. It's not a one-day thing or a one-week thing, but it may go on for months or years. You support a person even when there's opposition, even when things may seem unbearable. And so these, these last few go together, sort of. You believe all things. You, you, you uh, bear all things. You hope all things. The point here is, is true love perseveres. It perseveres. It keeps going, even against all odds. So we're talking about loving others. 
And of course, the primary way this is seen is with people that you're close to, if you have a family or a spouse or whatever, that's where you're going to really see it. That, that's the day-to-day thing, okay? But, but in all situations, it can be people at the church, people at work, people out in the street. I mean, you go, you go to buy something to the store, and you all, I assume, go to stores sometimes. Be loving to that person. They, they can tell. Be friendly. They can say that person's different, okay? So it's, it's such an opportunity that we have as people to love everyone. But it takes grace because sometimes we're just tired. Life gets hard. And, and some people, they keep doing wrong things, okay? But endures. It perseveres. It, it keeps, keeps going. So said before, to love others, you need to be experiencing God's love in your own life. If you're having a really hard time with somebody, maybe you're not seeing and understand the truth of 1 John 4. I'm not going to go over it again, 721, but it's very clear in there. God's love's got to abide in you. And if it's not, you can't love others. You cannot. God's love. You need to have that time where you're being charged up. I think of it this way. It's like your spiritual tank needs to be filled up. Y'all been at the gas station. You've all put gas in your car. If you've got an empty tank, how far is your car going to go? No, nowhere. You're stuck. If you don't have love in your heart from God himself, you're stuck. You are stuck. Get your spiritual tank filled up with the love of God. And then you won't be expecting. A lot of the times we have problems because we're expecting that person to be, be a certain way towards us. Stop that. Stop that. You love them. Nothing the Bible about says you should expect somebody else to love you. Nothing there at all. You love them. And you get filled up with the love of God, and then you can love them. And that's then what can make a difference. Love never fails. We didn't talk about that, but that's, what was it? But that's true. Love never fails. That one verse then, 1 John 4, 19, I'll repeat it. We love because God first loved us. So this is so important. Your mark in life, what you do in life, how you affect people. You know, if you come, we went to a, a memorial service last Sunday was um, uh, for Cynthia Davis. But if they have a service for you someday, wouldn't it be good if it was said, and most importantly said, he was a very loving person. She really loved people. She really loved me. That's the mark, you see. We can talk about all kinds of other things people can do, but did they love? Did they love? That's, that's where it's at. Let's talk about serving others. We know where to serve God. Luke 4, 8. Read a few verses here. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Colossians 3.24. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. Acts 9.14. Cleanse your conscience from dead works that you may serve the living God. So this has got to be in your mind. My, my purpose here, one of my primary purposes, to love people, yes, but I'm to serve people. I'm to serve God and to serve others. That, that, you know, that, that's it. Every day I'm to be serving the Lord and serving others and you can serve God because he saved you and he loves you he is your father and you are his child and therefore you want to serve him you want to serve him because you do love him being humble is the key to serving God you know that God has authority over your life that God knows what is best for your life you believe that right God knows what is best for your life he knows what is best for your life and therefore, then, you're to be humble before him. You're to submit yourself to him. You're to say, God, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Tell him that. You say, God, uh, I'll serve you in any way that you desire. Just a few examples. You know these, but I mentioned before, Numbers 12, it says, Moses was the most humble man in the face of the earth. That time he was. 
to do what he did for the Lord to lead those two million plus people through the desert up to the promised land. He was humble, the most humble man. We have that example. We have the example of, of David. Many verses, but this Psalm 25, I like this. Is he leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble his way. He could say that because he was humble. He teaches the humble his way. And then, of course, Jesus, Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death. He humbled himself many ways throughout life. He's, he, but, but that's the classic. That's the biggie. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. So we have these examples. The whole Bible is filled with examples of people who are humble and then served. That's what I'm saying. And, and of course, for us as, as Christians, we've, we've got all of history. We've got the Bible. We've got all the examples we need. We have examples in the church of, of people who have served and humbled. It's, it's very encouraging here. Might we learn that? One of the main ways we serve God by serving people, by ministering to others, by helping them. And so we're to serve then both believers and unbelievers. But, but turn to, I want you to see this. This is important. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So you're to focus more on the believers. That doesn't mean you don't help and serve unbelievers. But So if you have a question, some going through, what should I do? I can get with this person, unbeliever, this person, believer. You might lean towards the believer. I'm not saying all the time, but this is a guide, okay? You want to do good to all people, especially to those of the household of the faith. Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. That is, a serving has to come out of our love for people. 1 Corinthians 9.19, though I am free from all men, I have, made, I have myself, made myself a slave to all so that I may win the more. Acts 20.19 and 20, we read about Paul, and it says, Paul served the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials. And the reason, one of the main reasons Paul was the kind of person he was in terms of being godly and having such a great effect, he was humble. He served the Lord with all humility. All humility. You read enough pages. I'm not going to read much more, but there's this verse in 2 Corinthians 12 about, it says, I, I spend, have spent and expended myself. He spent himself. It says in Philippians 2, 17, I pour, he said he poured himself out like a drink offering, just poured his life out. He says, wow, he gave it all. He's really, really amazing. In fact, I was, we were talking about this the other night at our men's, men's meeting, and and it was in Acts chapter 20, and he was getting ready to go on a big trip and set sail the next day. And if you're going to go on a big trip, what do you do the night before? You get things ready, packed up, and you get some sleep, right? So here he was at this Bible study, and they went on till midnight, and then this kid fell out the window and he healed him, and, but that wasn't really a big deal. And he kept going till, till daybreak. I mean, golly. Then he went and traveled. I mean, that's being humble. I mean, he, he did an all-nighter right before he took off on this big trip. He was humble before the Lord. Paul wasn't serving in a cold, dry, lukewarm, or half-hearted way. Acts 20, other verses show that Paul had a great heart and a great love for people. The primary way that he was serving, is he, was, he was using his gifts, we'll talk about this in a little bit, he was using his gifts of, of preaching and teaching. He was preaching the gospel, teaching others. That's how he served. And so Paul had this great love, 
and heart for these believers. He was working hard. He was going day and night, and he was boldly proclaiming the truth, admonishing one another with tears. That's what he was doing. So remember, we're left on earth to serve God by serving others. We aren't here to do what we want, to have fun, to eat, drink, and be merry. We're not to do that. As you all know, you've heard this before, God could have taken us to heaven right when we got saved. He didn't. He left us here for others. I'm not going to read the verses, Philippians 1, 21 to 26, but it talks about that. Paul says, I'd rather be in heaven than here. But it's for your sake. It's for your sake that I stay. Okay? It's like a lot of things. I think it's others. It's others. I know for me, and I've sort of shared this before, but a lot of you are close to that 60 age or older. And I know for me, I don't know for you, but when I got to that early 60 age, I thought, huh, people get 62, they retire. Or 65, or 67, or I'm 69, retire. I got three siblings older than me that's retired. I got one that's younger than me that's retired. Two are still working that are younger yet. Oh, retire. You've seen this, you know, and of course when we talk about retirement, well, you go on a cruise, you go on a trip, you take it easy, you put your feet up, you go traveling. You all understand this. And I'm not saying you can't retire. That's not the point. That's not the point. You can retire, but you're never to quit serving the Lord. That is, that's what I'm saying. This verse here in, in, in um, Luke 9. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me until he's 62. You know I didn't say that. Follow me how long? To the day he dies. That's it. So whatever age you are, just think, hey, I'm here for the Lord. I'm just here for the Lord. And I understand. I mean, I, I get tired. I understand you get tired. And you have to pace yourself when you get older. That's obvious. But still you pace yourself. You know, you run a little slower, but you still pace yourself and you keep serving. Oh, that's what you do. And God gives grace. Those of you who are younger will see this someday that as you get older, you do get more tired. But God helps you to keep serving him. And so you need to realize that you're to serve God by serving others. You need to believe that God can use you and wants to use Very important. You need to believe this. Never think of yourself as a nobody. I can't do anything right. It's not true. Don't think that God can't use you. God can use you. He made you. This, it's just a few verses in this. God gives you his grace so you can serve others. Ephesians 3, 7 says, I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace. Did you get it? You're to serve others. How? By the gift of God's grace, which goes on to say, which is given, given to me according to the working of God's power. So you have all the grace you need to serve the Lord. It's, it's a, Another similar thought, God gives you his Holy Spirit so you can serve others. Go to Ephesians 5, 18. It talks about being filled with the Spirit. And right shortly after that, it talks about the marriage. You need the Spirit to be married, to be loving. You need God's grace. God gives you all you need. He really, really does. But how do you know how God wants you to serve? How do you know what God wants you to do? Let me just share a few things very briefly. We'll turn to Romans, Romans chapter 6. I've, I've shared this before. You know, if you're, you're in a place for years and years, in fact, we just had our anniversary a couple weeks ago, 24 years here. 